You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Dr. John Avant. He is the president of Life Action Ministries, and actually he is uh, on the campus of his alma mater uh, this week, Southwestern Seminary. Uh, for a revival, and we're pretty excited about that, and we have him here in the studio today to talk to him about revival. Uh, John, welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Let me uh, ask a question that's often occurred to me, and that is, is is there a biblical precedent for uh, scheduling an event that that we might call a revival? Right. Right. Uh, it's a great question, and um, I think there certainly is, although uh, I, would, I would recommend probably not calling the events themselves revival um, because it's become so confusing to people today uh, what the word revival even means. And if they uh, uh, come to believe that it is a series of services, then we, we lose the, the, the root meaning, of course, of, of new life. But scheduling what we call at Life Action, a time of holy pause, um, I, I think is absolutely essential, uh, and, and we see it uh, in times that have been called uh, solemn or sacred assemblies in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, we see the people of God uh, coming together in the book of Acts in ways that uh, where supernatural power was unleashed. I love the, the, uh, uh, the book of Haggai, where... Uh, for a change, you see the people actually listen, listening to, uh, uh, to the prophet, and uh, the people come together, uh, uh, fear the Lord instead of fear man, and then they go to work. Uh, their, their spirits are stirred up, and they go to work to build the temple, um, to center their lives around the Lord. And so I think we have tremendous biblical precedent for saying we're going to stop everything that is peripheral, and we're going to take a holy pause and, and say, Lord, we want to center our lives around you and, um, uh, and, and seek you. And we've often called those events revival. Uh, might, be, might be better not to give them that name itself, but the, the time setting aside, absolutely. I, I love your term, holy pause. That, that, that's a vivid idea there. All right, uh, it, it, if God is the one who who gives revival, if it's something, if it's His work, something that comes from Him, uh, are there any biblical principles that that speak to our responsibility in in helping to bring that about or opening ourselves up to that? Yes, you know, um, and when we finish this interview, I'll walk over to. Uh, um, uh, to a McGorman Chapel, and we'll begin three days and three nights of seeking the Lord and asking Him to bring revival uh, here at the seminary. And um, at Life Action, we, we call it our, our six responses um, that um, we, we believe are biblical commands and also uh, include biblical promises um, depending upon our, our response. Uh, and so the, the six responses we, we talk about uh, saying yes to God in these six ways. Um, humility, um, honesty, getting authentic and transparent with God, repentance as good news, that when we repent, God has told us he'll send seasons of refreshing from Acts 3, 19. Forgiveness, extending it uh, and receiving it. Um, and then um, obedience, just saying yes to God uh, when he speaks. 
and then kingdom first living. And when we study the scriptures uh, for Life Action, it's a 47-year-old ministry for almost half a century, we have, uh, have studied and seen in the scriptures those responses. And I think what's really happening when, uh, when, when we in the church or seminary or any group of people, when we encourage them toward revival, what we're saying is what, what John the Baptist did, um, Luke 117, to, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Uh, and, and so we don't bring revival, but we are saying to our people as we lead them, we want to do all we can. I want to do all I can this week as a servant of God and a servant of this seminary to make a people ready to be prepared for the Lord. I think that's how we, um, uh, that's our responsibility in, uh, in revival. Mm. Are, are those six responses, are those the things that a pastor should be working to uh, encourage in his church to, as the pattern for, for inviting God to, to do revival in his local church? We, we believe so because, um, you know, I've only been president of Life Action for uh, 13 months, but I've been a friend of Life Action for a quarter century. And, um, you know, this is a, a, an amazing ministry God has used for so long. And, and along the way, we've learned, we've watched and studied and learned what does God do in churches, in lives, and, and is that grounded in the Word of, of God? If it's grounded in our words or our thoughts or our hopes, that doesn't mean a thing. Um, but if it's grounded in the Word, it means everything. And those six responses, uh, we, if we had time, we, we could look through some of the ways that God has said, um, this is what I want you to do, and when you do this, this is how I'm going to respond. Uh, and so though we don't bring revival, we also don't feel like God is stingy. Uh, for instance, we're in, we're in a day of great spiritual awakening right now. Uh, you just have to get on an airplane to see it. And, uh, you know, more Muslims have come to Christ in the last 15 years than the previous 1,500. And when we go where, where awakening and revival is happening, we always see those six responses, and we see them in the Scripture. So that's why we come back to that and say this is so crucial for pastors and leaders to know those six responses. And in our ministry, we love helping pastors and churches to say, look, you've probably been saying these responses and, and encouraging your people toward them in some way every single week, and sometimes they don't hear it as well. So if we can help you to come in and reinforce what you're doing, uh, sometimes as we lead the church at Life Action through a holy pause, um, we, we see God move. Mm. Briefly, uh, state the six responses again. Yes. Um, humility, honesty, uh, repentance, forgiveness, receiving and extending it, uh, obedience, saying yes to God, and kingdom first living. Uh, as churches uh, open themselves up to, to this with, say, revival events or revival meetings, that, should that be a time that, that's primarily uh, dedicated to reaching lost people or, or reviving uh, folks who are already saved? Or is there a balance there? Right. Well, it's a great question, and we, we've been struggling with this some at, at, uh, at Life Action since I've been, I've been president uh, because uh, I, I, I believe in love and am passionate about evangelism. And I believe that um, evangelism best flows out of revival, revived leaders, revived Christians, 
revived churches will do evangelism. We can't help it if we're truly revived. However, one of those responses I mentioned was repentance. To me, the greatest sin of the church, sometimes I wonder if it's a tie between disunity and the lack of evangelism. Uh, disunity because that's what Jesus prayed for in John 17. Right before he dies, he could pray for anything for us he wants to, but he prays for unity. But why? Well, when we're disunified, we don't do evangelism. We're fighting with each other. We're too busy with that to do evangelism. So I really believe it's kind of a both and in that uh, we've got to call our, our churches and our people to repent of a total lack of concern for the lost. I mean, most of our churches demonstrate what seems to be almost a total lack of concern for the lost. And the lost have often become our enemy rather than our mission field. We're more concerned to make sure we vote against the lost than that we reach the lost. And these things, I wonder if revival might be hindered until we repent of those things so it's a little bit of a cycle, I think. When, we, when we're talking about revival, we're talking about Christians. Um, to have revival, you have to have something there in the first place. But revival may come best when we challenge our churches to repent of a failure to care about the lost world. And then when revival comes, our evangelism will explode even more. So hopefully that makes sense. We, we kind of feel like it's a, a cycle. We begin with God's people, but we repent of not caring for lost people. Then revival brings increased evangelism. John, uh, every pastor out there has heard common objections to revival meetings. That, well, they're old-fashioned. They don't work anymore. Or, you know, we, we don't want something that's all about emotionalism or we don't want to dictate to God what to do. How, how would you answer some of the common objections to right. revival events? Well, the emotionalism rejection uh, almost scares me to death because I think it can become uh, uh, a part of um, the non-charismatic part of evangelicalism's sin. Uh, when I read the scriptures, I see a lot of emotion. In a few moments, when I begin our first message here at Southwestern in these six sessions of Seeking God for Revival, I'm going to preach from Isaiah 6. Try to imagine Isaiah in the temple, seeing God for who he is unemotionally. Uh, it's, it, it's ridiculous. And, and so our fear of emotion is mostly displaced. Um, now, on the other side of the evangelical spectrum, we sometimes see uh, emotional excess and extreme uh, as if if our emotions instruct us to do something, almost doesn't matter what the Word of God says. Um, but in, in most of evangelicalism, uh, we consider ourselves grounded in the Word. So I think we should have no fear at all of emotion. And in fact, our fear of emotion may hinder us from, from a revival. Um, I think the, um, the fear of protracted meetings the fear of uh, nobody will come. Um, we, I understand this. Um, I think we have to open our hearts and minds today to say, well, why are people not coming? Why, if we, in our last uh, four-day or one-week event, did very few people come? Um, and, uh, you know, we're in the, made in the image of a creator. I think he expects us to join his creativity. He's probably whispering to us, because you've been doing it the same way for 50 years, and I'm wanting to do something a little different. 
At Life Action, for instance, we realize that people are very tired. We don't like it, but culture has driven them into busyness and tiredness. And so um, rather than just sending a preacher and a worship leader in, we send a team of 20 or 30 people in, mostly millennials that travel with us all over the country, and we tell the church, if we come to your church, you do nothing but show up and rest and hear God. We take your preschool, your children, your worship, your students, um, we'll take it all. And then your children and students will be mentored by young millennials who walk with God. It's almost unheard of. I mean, to, be, to have a 20-year-old mentoring your sixth grader saying, no, no, your friends have lied to you. I'm a virgin. You don't have to believe what they believe. No, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. The parents run back at night. Uh, so in our, the last event that, of our uh, ministry that I was personally helping to lead, we have team leaders that don't, don't need me doing their job. They're awesome. But I uh, filled in for one. We had 91% of the Sunday morning attendance back on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But a lot of it is, I believe, because we've said, God, show us why people don't come so much or churches don't want to do this. And most of the churches we serve then say, when can we have you back? Um, and so I think part of it's our responsibility as leaders to say, well, Lord, if, if, if it doesn't seem you've been blessing this, what should we do differently? John, what can a pastor do to in, encourage th this revival spirit in his, in his own church? Well, it's got to start in his own heart. And um, I think for a long time, most pastors are so afraid. If I was honest with our people about my own struggles, they'd probably boot me out. And you know what? They might. But um, I love this season of my life. Uh, I was a Southern Baptist pastor 35 years, three years as a missionary at the uh, North American Mission Board. Uh, now I'm a full-time missionary, and a lot of what I do is, uh, is encourage pastors and help them think. Um, and what I'm saying to a lot of pastors is, uh, look, what's the worst-case scenario? Um, you get honest with them and say, you know, I'm struggling. I'm sad or I'm discouraged or I'm wondering if, if you guys really care about revival, and, and, and they kick you out. Okay, you know, call me. We'll help you find a place where the people are actually longing for that. Uh, maybe God will write Ichabod over the door of that church building. Um, local churches tend to have a shelf life. Even the biblical churches did. There is no more church at Ephesus. It's, it's a ruin. Um, so let, let's stop being so afraid of what might happen in our church, and let's just be honest. Let's just share our heart. What I've found is when a pastor gets honest, uh, a lot of people go, oh, wow, I didn't know he struggled. I relate to him better. Um, he's longing for something. I am too. And God can begin to bring hearts together. Also, pastors have to lead the way in prayer. Um, I don't know of any revival movement that's ever started without at least a remnant of praying people. Um, the church may not be a praying church, uh, but uh, there has to be a praying remnant. If the pastor doesn't lead that, well, what chance does the church really have uh, of, of seeing a movement of God? And so I think that the two most important things a pastor can do is take the risk of honest vulnerability with his people. A good way to start might be to pray through a Sunday of just saying, you know what, today, church, um, I'm going to open the Scripture, going to teach a little bit, and then I just want to close it, and I want to share my heart with you very vulnerably and honestly about where I am. And then share your own broken heart for your own life, for your church. And then say something like, uh, I'm just going to ask 
Um, Wednesday night for a while, whatever else we do uh, is fine. But if anybody shares this brokenness, would you just meet with me? And could we just begin to pray for a little while about what God might do next? Uh, I've seen God do amazing things in churches when pastors took that approach. Wow. John, before we go, I I wonder if you would take a moment to to pray for those pastors who are listening who, who might be you know, uh, at a at a dry spot in in their own lives, and and they might sense a need and a yearning for revival, or or maybe they they just long for revival in their church or community. Would would you take a moment just to pray for those pastors and churches that might be listening this morning? It'd be my privilege, Lord. I just come to you for pastors today, Lord. What an honor and a joy it is to me to pray for pastors, and and Lord, I just I just ask you in Jesus' name to encourage every pastor listening. Um, Lord, whatever they're dealing with, I probably get it. Lord, I've probably been there in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Three or four times in in 35 years, I I just almost quit. Um, But Lord, um, I don't have that right. Um, Only you, Lord, can, um, uh, can change that calling in a pastor's life. So Lord, we don't have to be happy, but we do have to be faithful. So I pray for every pastor today who's discouraged. Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, silence the lies of the enemy in that pastor's heart. Um, Lord, if every pastor whose church is declining should quit, then we're not going to have many pastors left. Um, Lord, this is a tough day to be a pastor. Um, Lord, even you in John 6 um, saw the crowds leave you and go away. Uh, And and so, Lord, I I pray that you would encourage pastors, Lord, not to look to what the attendance was last week, but just to look at their own heart and say, am I ready to lead this church? Or if this church doesn't want me, another church. To go hard after you, God, hard after you with honesty and humility and repentance, forgiveness. Lord, help every pastor here to reject bitterness and anger over that deacon that hurt them or that committee that hurt them. Lord, I know that struggle. I pray every pastor would reject that. And then, Lord, would run to you in forgiveness and run to you in obedience and then run to you in kingdom first living and lead their churches to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been uh, Dr. John Avant, the president of Life Action Ministries. John, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, brother.